God designed us for life, an abundant life with Him and with one another. But there's a problem. Someone has taken our life. Jesus said the thief comes to steal and kill and destroy. We're missing out on life like God intended because we go looking for life in all the wrong places. But there is a solution to this problem. Jesus said he came so that we may have life and have it in abundance. That's why Cross United Church exists, to help people find life like God intended. We believe life like God intended happens when three things are united in our lives. When we're brought to God in wholehearted worship through the cross of Jesus Christ, when we're brought together in authentic community, when we're deployed on the joyful mission that God has for us in the world, we experience fullness of life. Life like God intended, united in wholehearted worship, authentic community, and joyful mission is why Cross United Church exists. Hey, Cross United, I'm so glad you've joined us for this online message. This is our fourth and final sermon in our Advent series. Uh, light and life to all he brings, finding hope for Christmas. And we're going to be talking today about living hope in a dying world. So I want to invite you to turn or tap in your Bible or your app to 1 Peter chapter 1. We're going to get there in just a minute. While you're turning or tapping there, I want to remind you, you can go to crossunited.org and click online check-in. That'll let you know uh, ways uh, you can connect with our church. And that's a digital connection card. And we'll give you opportunities to let us know how you uh, we could be praying for you. Also there at crossunited.org, if you would click the top right-hand side of the menu bar and click give. If you are a part of Cross United Church and you consider Cross United your church home, or if you just consider yourself a generous person, you can click give through our online secure giving platform. Also, I want to remind you that the Christmas Eve service will be on Christmas Eve, Thursday, December 24th at 7.15 p.m., and we will not be having a service either per, in person or, or online on December the 27th. We want to encourage you to gather with your family, to worship with your family or uh, at home. And then we will regather in the new year looking forward to what God will have for us in 2021. Um, so here we are in this final sermon on finding hope for Christmas. And when we look at the world around us, we see that death is a real reality, that we live in a dying world. I don't know when that hit home for you, but for me, it hit home for the first time when I was a kid and I found out that my grandma, who we called Ara, had a disease. And, and I remember sitting in my bed at night just sobbing because I was afraid that she was going to die. And um, turns out that that she didn't end up dying, at least not right away. She still had uh, many years left ahead of her. But it was the first time where death really struck a chord in my heart. And I realized that we do, in fact, live in a dying world. And and this, is, this has been front and center for us in 2020, hasn't it? It's been front and center in this viral disease that's been uh, pressing on us and, and the anxiety of potentially getting sick or dying. It's pressed on us in the, the racial unrest of, of the middle of the 2020 year as, as we've seen these deaths and, and then the, the, the protesting and the, and the rioting that, that has followed. It, it's come to us in all sorts of ways this year. 
Um, and, and we have seen front and center in a way that is hard to ignore that we do live in a dying world. And we try to ignore the reality of death by distraction. We try to delay the reality and the inevitability of death by health and well-being. We try to deny the tragedy of death by saying it's just part of the cycle of life. But deep down, we all know that that is not true. And we know death is inevitable and death is tragic. And that's why we cry at funerals. Even if it's for someone who we know lived a good, long, decades long, 90 years plus long life, we weep. And we weep because we know deep down that death is not the way it's supposed to be. We know deep down that God designed us for life. We are not designed for death, but we live in a world that is full of death. So, um, I, 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 and we need to talk about this. And, and I want to warn you that this is a Christmas message. It's an Advent message, but it's going to start out in a dark place before we get to a bright place. So here's, here's an analogy. When I was a kid, we started every family vacation early in the, in the dark hours of the morning. We called it dark morning. It was 4am or whatever it was, we would get up super early. My parents would wake us up and we'd pile ourselves into our suburban and we would start our trek down the surface streets to the interstate, to the freeway, so that we could get where we were going, usually to Lake Tahoe in California where I grew up. And as we drove in the darkness, gradually the, the sun would, would peak above the horizon and what started in the dark ended up in the bright daylight. Well, that's sort of what's going to happen in this message. We're going to start in a dark place, but we're going to end in a very bright and joyful place. If you will just hang with me, we're going to start our journey in this message in the reality of the dying world around us, but we are going by God's grace to move toward the hope of the land of the living. Remember, we all can find ourselves in one of four places. And we've gone to this two by two chart a number of times where we see on the vertical axis, the difference between hope that is either temporary or false on the bottom and hope that is eternal and real on the top. And then on the horizontal axis, the, the feeling of being hopeless and on the right the feeling of being hopeful and where god wants to move us is from a place of false or temporary hope and the feeling of hopelessness to that top right quadrant he wants to move those who are not christians away from the temporary hope where they may feel hopeless and despair on the bottom left or they may feel hopeful but that hope will be temporary and will ultimately disappoint them on the bottom right and he wants to move Christians who have a real hope, but don't feel hope. And he wants to move all of us to that top right quadrant, to a place of delight where we have real hope and we feel hope. We see God's design and God's desire for us to have hope and to feel hope in the beginning of Peter's first letter to the churches of modern day Turkey and Asia Minor. And he's writing 30 years after he'd walked with Jesus and talked with Jesus and followed Jesus. And he, he's writing as a, as a now a wizened older pastor who's served the Lord for many, many years. And he's writing to these Christians who are suffering for their faith. And he wants to start them off 
on the the note of hope. So if you look there at 1 Peter 3, chapter 1, verse 3, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, because of his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you. You are being guarded by God's power through faith for a salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. Now this paragraph radiates with good stuff, with beauty and brightness, but all of the goodness, all of the beauty and all of the brightness only makes sense against the implied background of bad stuff and broken stuff and darkness. Mercy assumes judgment. New birth assumes older death. Resurrection requires crucifixion. Guarding requires danger. Salvation requires desperation. Living hope only matters in a world that's full of darkness. Living hope only matters in a world that's full of disappointment, despair, and discouragement. And God wants to move us from those places to the place of living hope in a dying world. We have to understand the world we live in before we can appreciate the living hope that God is calling us into. So we're going to look at four realities of our dying world, and then we're going to move into the bright land of living hope. The first reality is that we live in a world of physical death. We live in a world of physical death. Much of the discussion surrounding COVID has been surrounding the infection fatality rate or how many people who get COVID die from COVID. That, that, that's what really matters in a lot of ways, right? How deadly is this disease? And that, that's, a, that's a key question. But the reality is whatever, whatever the actual death rate of COVID is, the death rate of all humanity is the same. The death rate is 100%. It is one out of one. Everyone will die. You will die. I will die. Everyone you love will die. So Merry Christmas, right? No, this is the reality of life in this world that every one of us dies. Every plant, every animal, every thing, every person dies. What the scripture tells us though is that we shouldn't ignore this reality because this reality brings us wisdom. Look what the teacher says in Ecclesiastes 7. It is better to go to the house of mourning, that is a funeral, than to the house of feeding, that is a party or a feasting, a party or a wedding. Since that is the end of all mankind and the living should take it to heart. The great American theologian Jonathan Edwards made a series of resolutions that he lived his life by. And, and the ninth of those was that he would think much on all occasions of his own dying. The productivity guru Stephen Covey talks about the funeral exercise where he asks you to imagine your own funeral and what people will say and, and sort of to reverse engineer your life based on what you want people to say about you after you have died. It's good to remember that we live in a world of physical death. Wise people consider this. But we live in a world of physical death, and that, but that's not the deepest death that pervades our world. We live in a world of physical death because we live in a world of spiritual death. 
We live in a world that God created to be full of life, but our first ancestors heard the word of God and turned away from the word of God. They turned away from God's commands, God's will, God's work, God's ways, and they turned to, to their own way and their own way of living. And God had warned them in the day that you disobey and you eat of the fruit of the tree that I've commanded you not to eat, you will die. And if you know the story, you know the story of they took that fruit and they ate it. And then something strange happens. They don't die. They don't die. It's not like they, they immediately collapse into the earth in, in the Garden of Eden. They don't instantaneously, that God doesn't throw a lightning bolt from heaven and, 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 and strike them and incinerate them. They, they seems like nothing happens. Well, that's because we tend to think of death as only the physical aspect of death. But what happened in that moment was something much darker, much deeper, and much more destructive. And that is a spiritual death that entered the world, a principle of death that has since been passed on to every person who has ever been born. As the Apostle Paul says in Ephesians 2, we have all been born dead in your trespasses and sins in which you previously walked according to the ways of this world, according to the ruler of the power of the air, the spirit now working in the disobedient. We too all previously lived among them in our fleshly desires, carrying out the inclinations of our flesh and thoughts and were by nature children under wrath as the others were also. We are all spiritually stillborn. We are all spiritually dead. There is a principle of death at work in the world because of rebellion against God. Spiritual death leads to physical death. We live our lives from a place of spiritual death. We make decisions from a place of spiritual death. We make decisions that hurt us and hurt the people we love. People make decisions that hurt us either unintentionally or maliciously, but the spiritual death pervades every, it is, fills our world with sorrow and sadness. And what we don't need is we don't need principles for living our best life. What we need is life, new life. What we don't need is just a religion. We need what the Bible calls regeneration. We need new life to be made alive again. We live in a world of physical death. We live in a world of spiritual death. We also live in a world of metaphorical death. Now, this is where we talk about death in a figurative sense. Like, like we, we talk about relationships that have died or careers that have died, marriages that have died, businesses or dreams that have died. We, this is the, 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 the idea that death can be something that isn't physical, but is something real nonetheless. And, and maybe we, maybe we dreamed for a thriving career, but we got a, a, a pink slip and noticed that we'd been laid off. Maybe we had a dream about some sort of accomplishment and someone else accomplished it instead. We had dreams, we had ambitions, we had hopes and possibilities. And when those things are no longer on the horizon of possibility, we consider that to be a sense of death. This might be the, the most 
uh, pointed sense where we experience death. Because in, in our culture, we can, we can sort of ignore physical death, at least for a while. We live long lives. Now, COVID has, you know, sort of placed that front and center again. But, but for the most part, people are able, at least for a time, to ignore the reality of physical death. And we can deny the reality of spiritual death. We can pretend like it's not real. We can say that doesn't make sense. At least for a while, we can temporarily ignore physical and spiritual death. Not for long, not forever, but we can. But all of us, in many times and in many ways, are gut-punched by the death of our hopes and our dreams. For many, the death of their dream hurts more than the death of their loved ones. Because the, the reality is we expect that at some point that our parents are going to die, that people we love will die. And as much as it hurts, we expect it. But when we have possibility and we have hope and we have this, this vision of the future that doesn't come to pass, it seems all the more crushing because we don't expect it. Sometimes it happens in, in, in a slow sort of way and other times it happens all at once and things come crashing down. But we live in America and we watch Disney movies and so we don't expect this metaphorical death. Yet we die deaths every day. We live in a world of physical, spiritual, metaphorical death, but most importantly, we live, fourthly, in a world of eternal death. Look what Revelation 20, the end of the Bible says. John the Revelator says that he saw a great white throne and one seated on it. Heaven and earth fled from his presence, and no one was found for them. I also saw the dead, the great and the small, standing before the throne, and books were opened. And another book was opened, which is the book of life, and the dead were judged according to their works by what was written in the books. Then the sea gave up the dead that were in it, and death and Hades gave up their dead that were in them. Each one was judged according to their works. Death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. This is the second death, the lake of fire. And anyone whose name was not found written in the book of life was thrown into the lake of fire. This is the terrifying reality of what the Bible says happens to those who are not in Christ, the judgment of eternal death. This is the destiny of, this is the end game of spiritual, metaphorical, and physical death. They all lead to this point of eternal death, which is really the bringing of God's judgment upon that rebellion against him that was initiated so long ago in that garden so far away. Now, this would be the most depressing Christmas Advent message you had ever heard if we stopped the story there. But fortunately, like on my family vacation, that journey that started in the dark ended in a place of light. And that's where we're going to go now. We're going to see that though we inhabit a dying world, God offers to us a living hope. He gives us an objective hope that is real and a subjective hope that we can feel. Hope is both a reality on the horizon and it's a feeling in our hearts. It's something we feel and something that is real, and it's all centered in Jesus Christ. How does God give us living hope in a dying world? First, God gives us living hope in the incarnation of Jesus. Look at Hebrews 2, 14 and 15. 
Now, since the children have flesh and blood in common, Jesus also shared in these, so that through his death he might destroy the one holding the power of death, that is the devil, and free those who were held in slavery all their lives by the fear of death. Notice it says they had flesh and blood, the children, that is all all humanity, all of God's children. So Jesus also shared in these. What does this mean? It means Jesus became a real living human man in all ways like us, except without sin. That when God created that life in the womb of Mary the Virgin, he created a human being who was fully human and also the eternally fully God. And so, so we see God gives us living hope in the incarnation. And when Jesus was born and he lived the sinless life that we should have lived and we didn't, and he, 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 he did miracles and he showed what the kingdom was like. And he, he lived his life on earth and he taught the, about the kingdom of God. And he, and he demonstrated his power and his person and his purpose that, that his reward for all of that was betrayal and suffering and ultimately crucifixion. That the incarnation, the the life that God sent in the world in the person of Jesus Christ, God the Father sending God the Son, found its culmination in that weekend of Calvary, burial, and resurrection. So secondly, God gives us living hope in the crucifixion of Jesus. If you look back there at Hebrews 2, it says, He took on these, humanity, flesh and blood, so that through his death he might destroy the one holding the power of death. That is the devil. So in his incarnation, God the Son took on humanity so that he could die the death that humanity deserves and every human dies so that in our place he might be crucified and bear our sin and be buried as one who has died for their sin though he was without sin. In our place he was condemned, crucified, he was dead, and then he was buried. And God put death to death because the living one could not remain dead. And that's the third point. God gives living hope in the resurrection of Jesus. If you look back there at 1 Peter, notice what he says in 1 Peter 1. Because of his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. This is not just metaphorical. This is not just spiritual. This is not just that like Jesus is alive in our hearts. This is a physical act that Jesus in the body in which he was crucified was raised to immortality. The God-man could not stay dead. And he was raised up so that we might have living hope new life and living hope. Imagine what it was like for Peter. Peter who said he would die for Jesus, that that he was the leader of the disciples. And then on that most important night of his life, when Jesus was on trial, they confront Peter by the fire and say, oh, you were with Jesus too, weren't you? And Peter says, no, 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 I didn't know him. I didn't know him. I didn't know him. Three times he denied the Lord. And as he denied, he lived a metaphorical death of the death of his own sense of his bravery and his faith. And then Jesus died, the literal death of Calvary. And you imagine how Peter felt. 
Edmund Clowney says the resurrection of Jesus Christ was a life-changing reality for Peter. When Jesus died on the cross, it was the end of all Peter's hopes. He knew only bitter sorrow for his own denials. The dawn could not bring hope. With the crowing of the cock or the rooster, he heard the echo of his curses. But Jesus did not stay dead. On Easter morning, Peter learned from the women of the empty tomb and the message of the angels. He went running to the tomb and saw its evidence. He left in wonder, but Jesus remembered Peter and appeared to him even before he came to eat with the disciples in the upper room. Hope was reborn in Peter's heart with the sight of his living Lord. And now Peter writes to praise God for that living hope. I love that. Hope was born in Peter's heart when he saw the living Lord. You know, Jesus is alive and that is the guarantee of living hope in a dying world. That God the Father sent God the Son to become a human being, to be born, to live a sinless life, to die a sinner's death, to be buried and raised from the dead, so that if you turn from your sin and you trust in Jesus Christ, you will be forgiven of your sin, given eternal life, and you will live in a place of living hope. And that's the fourth thing. God gives us living hope in our new birth in Jesus Christ. He has caused us to be born again to a living hope. This is the only way to move from despair, disappointment, to delight. This is the hope of the Christian who is discouraged. That when God the Spirit enters our hearts and makes our heart alive and, and births our heart again, we have a life and a hope in us that is as real as the living Christ that we now can feel as we are in Christ. So really, only two questions remain. Will you receive living hope? If you've never turned from your sin and trusted in Christ, will you turn and trust and have hope born again? Maybe you feel like your life is so dark that you're never going to see the light again. Or maybe you feel like life is great, but there's something nagging at you and you know that you'll end up disappointed again. Will you receive living hope? And will you live in hope? Will you live in hope? Will you just ooze hope in a dying world? Will you be a person of life in a world of death? Will you be a person of hope in a world of discouragement, despair, and disappointment. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has caused us to be born again into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead.